of being a Christian. I've seen a ton of people, uh, adults, students alike, come to know who God is. and They've, they've heard his message of love and of grace and of forgiveness. And uh, it's awesome to see them begin to make those first steps and begin to have those transitions begin in their life. Many of you, as I look around this room, um, I've been lucky enough to be around here when some of those things have happened to you and when some of those things uh, God's begun to do, God has begun to do that in your life. Uh, some of you, it's only over the last weeks or months. and uh, Some of you guys, it's been you know, a lot longer than that. But too often, I've seen adults and students who accept God. They listen to His message of salvation and they say, yeah, that's what I want. I want my life to be different. I want God to change me. I want to be a different person. And they kind of take those first steps. But really, you know, those first steps are authentic. I mean, they're real. They really, they pray and they say, God, I, I want more of you. I want, I want to know you. I want you to invade my life. Come in, God. I invite you to everything I am. But they never really get into this rhythm of following God. And... Unfortunately, I see that happen a lot with our students. Um, Matt, I don't even know what the statistic would be, but how many kids would you say on a Friday night for the last, and let's just throw a, a number like five years out there, how many kids would you say would say that they became a Christian, they said their first prayer for Christ in the last five years? Yeah, I mean, that's probably about what I would guess, probably 500 kids. But if you look around our ministry, you don't see 500 kids that are consistently and daily following Christ. There's a, there's a really big difference between that first step that you take, but then kind of getting to a point where you are daily following God. In fact, I, I would be one to bet that even in this room right now, I, I would say nobody really fits into categories neatly when it comes to their spiritual life. But if I was kind of put you in one of three places, I want you to think about this. And... One of the things I love about talking to students is that they're pretty honest with themselves about where they are with God. There's a lot of adults out there in church that like to fake it, but students are usually pretty real. And so, just kind of listen to this and maybe see where you think you stand. Uh, category number one would be in the position of, I've heard about God, I know a little bit about Him, whether it's from Element or reading your Bible or you know your home church or whatever that might be, whether it's Warren Woods or wherever it is. But uh, it's just not for me. I even like going to Element. I like hanging out with the people here. But oh God thing, not for me. That's category one. Category two would be the people that maybe you've been around here for a long time. Maybe not. But you have come to know who God is. Maybe you can say, well, I remember when I said that prayer. And maybe it was a really long time ago. We used to have a tradition at, at Element where students pounded nails in a cross. Maybe you met with... Uh, a student or adult after a Friday night message and said, man, I heard God talking to me tonight. This is me. And you can, you can point back to that time where you said, I wanted to know who God was and I began to follow Him. But since then, has there been any change in your life? Has there been something that's been different for you? Has there been something that's been a daily influence on you? That's category two. Category one is the person who's like, uh, I kind of know a little bit about who God is, but you know, no thanks. Maybe not yet, or maybe just maybe just to straight up, no, no thanks. Category two kind of puts you in that position where you say, "Yeah, I know who God is. Um, I, I, I think I'm a Christian. Uh, I go to church." 
I've, I've prayed that prayer that they always talk about, like this is the prayer that you pray if you want to know who God is and you want to accept Jesus in your heart. And there's all this like lingo and stuff that sometimes people like use these phrases like, you know, I received salvation and I, or I asked Jesus into my life. You said, yeah, I, I've done that. But then there's a third category of people that if you put yourself in this category, you would say, I am a passionate, committed follower of Jesus Christ. On a daily basis, I seek to know Him. I seek to love Him. I seek to serve Him. He is everything I am. He's my entire life. As I look around this room, I'm pretty confident that there are people here that fit into all three categories. We love all of you. But if we're honest with ourselves, we know that there's people in this room and you you are probably quickly and readily able to put yourself into the first category where you said, you know what, I like this guy's, but oh God thing, not for me yet. Maybe when I'm old, or whatever your reason is. Category two of like I'm kinda there. Like I I know God's real and I know he loves me. But it doesn't really affect my daily life. That's category two. And then category three, you kind of put yourself in that one where we talk about I'm a, I'm a radical, passionate follower of Jesus Christ. It affects everything I do. And so I know that was a long like uh, prefix to what I was going to say tonight. But I think it's important to readily identify where you're at when it comes to what we talk about tonight. Because I think different people would kind of take the application of this in a very different way. Um, in fact, tonight we're going to talk about, if you were in church on Sunday morning, how many of you heard David or one of our other preaching pastors preach on Sunday morning at our church? And so you heard David say the phrase, take up your cross, a lot of different times tonight. And what I'm going to talk about tonight is going to be a reflection on that um, in our Ashes to Fire series, and this idea during the season of Lent that most of you guys uh, know when Pastor Matt started talking about Ash Wednesday, and then last week he continued that. And then tonight we're going to keep going as we get our way towards Easter. This idea of ashes to fire. And tonight we're going to look at this phrase called, take up your cross. You know, many times throughout the, the Gospels and the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus walks around preaching this message of salvation, which is full of love, full of hope, full of grace, full of forgiveness. And man, people just flock to him. He's healing people. He is... Uh, Literally, you know, getting demons out of people. He is doing all these crazy miracles, you know, feeding 5,000. And people just start to flock to Jesus. And there's a couple times, though, especially when um, Jesus has these people that are, like, flocking to him, where he's like, wait a minute, and he stops. And if Jesus had, like, a PR guy, that was the guy that followed around, like, hey, Jesus, you should say this right now. They're going to love it. No, Jesus, I think you made some people mad when you did the TV show. And, but Jesus didn't have a guy like that. Jesus didn't have a guy that followed him around and told him like what to do and what to say. He just knew the right thing to do all the time. So sometimes he did some things that like just drew the crowds. I mean, the fact that he fed 5,000 means he had an audience of 5,000. And most of you guys know the story that when they measured how many people were at an event at this time in history, it was common to just measure the men which means that there were probably close to 5,000 women, plus the kids that were there. So, I mean, Jesus is drawing serious crowds. And there's one time, though, when, you know, his character of being perfect, of being powerful, of being loving, of being forgiving, everything that made everybody want to know him and love him, he stopped. And he called everybody in and he challenged them. And sometimes when he did that, a lot of people were like, whoa, I thought this was like, just to make me feel good. I thought this was just about... 
I want a better life. I thought maybe like, we're, like you're, are you always going to give us free food? You know, people came in for all those good things. But every once in a while, Jesus would stop and say some things that people were, were kind of taken aback by. Sometimes it actually sent them packing. Jesus didn't want people just to follow him because it was going to make their life easier. Or if it was going to make their life better. Make them richer. Make them live longer. Jesus wanted them to know the real reason behind why he came. Tonight we're going to look at one of the statements that he makes. Uh, not long before he was killed on the cross, within the weeks before he did this, um, he stopped to talk to a large group of people that were following him. And it's found in Mark 8.31-38. And this is inside of that is the one of the more famous verses. You can throw that scripture up. Um, which is verse 34, which is the part that has the whole take, take up your cross idea. So we're going to look at that right now, if we can get that slide up. If we can. It's really long, so I had to be a little bit small, but we're going to roll with this. I'm going to read it loud to you. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. That always cracks me up. Peter chooses to rebuke Jesus. Like, dude, what are you thinking? And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then Jesus called to the crowd, um, along with his disciples, and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, follow me. For whoever wants to lose their life, uh, whoever wants to save their life, will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? And what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them. And he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So, Jesus is walking. He's probably got the disciples, like, I, I almost imagine them, you know, like walking through the desert or like the little cliffs and stuff. And they think like, it's Bible times, you know, there's like dirt everywhere. And he's got his disciples right behind him. And then behind him is the big, really big crowd of people. And so, when he calls them in, he doesn't just call in like the 12 dudes that are following him closely. He calls in everyone. And again, like I said, if Jesus would have had a PR agent with him, the PR agent would have said, whoa, whoa, you're going to tell people that you're going to die on the cross and then they're going to do it too? I, I don't know if they're ready for that, Jesus. I don't know if you should say that. But he doesn't care. He says, I'm going to tell them what's going on. And you know, what's really interesting at this point is I'm sure Jesus had this mental decision to make because Jesus knew from the beginning what the plan was. The plan was for him to die. I mean, even, you know, baby Jesus in the manger, I always like to think that even when Jesus was like a baby, he still could think like an adult. I mean, he was God. You know, I know he still had to kind of have the limits of talking and stuff like that, but I, I, I don't know. I, I know he had the, all the human limits, but it'd be kind of cool to see baby Jesus looking around at everybody and they're all like, oh, you, 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 I got, you know, he's like, okay. I'm God. But, so as he's laying there in his crib, and as he's growing up, and as he's a teenager, and in his 20s, he knows the plan the whole time is to die. And so he gets these guys to start following him, the disciples. 
And the whole time that they're following him, he's like, I wonder if they're ready to hear it yet. No, 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 not yet, not yet. And he goes around and he does some more miracles and does this and does that. And, you know, he's talking with them later and they're like, Jesus, you're so awesome. This is the best. You know, I'm so glad that I left behind my life following you. And he's like, maybe I should tell him now. Not yet. I mean, I know Jesus' timing is perfect and he probably didn't have to think about it. But he, he could have told them, like, from the beginning. You know, like when he walks along and James and John are, like, messing with the fishing stuff. And he's like, come and follow me. Oh, yeah, and by the way, three years I'm going to be dead and you'll be left on your own. But, you know, he doesn't tell them at the beginning. After they've kind of heard his message and heard what he's talked about, he realizes that it's getting down to the wire. Good Friday is coming. We call it Good Friday then, but the day that he was going to be killed was coming. And he says... Can't wait any longer. These guys need to hear what's going to happen. My disciples need to see what it's going to look like when I fulfill my true mission to die for the human race so that they can be saved. And you know, it's funny, just as he got done talking with his disciples, right before this, like if you go backwards, right before 31, a couple times, Jesus is talking with his disciples and he says, Hey guys, who, what's the word on the street? Who do people say that I am? And the Bible says that Peter is the one who spoke up. And Peter, it seems like, was the guy with all the guts. He was the one who wasn't afraid to speak his mind and to say what he thought. And he says, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You are God's son. And all the other disciples are like, he said it. We've been talking about it. We've heard some things. And Peter just laid it out there. And I'm sure Peter, you know, probably felt pretty good at this point. And Jesus might have even, you know, like, walked up to him and be like, Yep, you're the only one who said it. You got it right. I am the Son of God. Peter's probably like, I'm the only one who knew. You know, he's probably walking around like this. Unfortunately for Peter, as often happens, probably before the fall, Peter's probably feeling like, you know, I got it right. You know, I got my first one right in the quiz, on the Jesus quiz. I recognize him as Messiah. Cha-ching. And then this happens. I mean, I don't know about you, but if Jesus called me Satan, it kind of undoes, number one, what he just got right. I mean, if anybody's going to call me Satan, I'm going to probably be a little bit upset about it, but if Jesus calls me Satan, I'm going to be even maybe a little bit more upset about that. That was pretty, I mean, I want to say Jesus, that was getting a little tough, because I'm sure Jesus knew what he was doing, it's Jesus. But, you know, we begin to say, like, all Peter said is he didn't want Jesus to die. And I can't tell you that if I would have lived with Jesus for three years, followed him every day, saw his amazing, perfect life, man, wouldn't you say the same thing? If the guy you followed, I mean, even take that down to a very simple earthly level. What if... One of the pastors of our church, what if Pastor Matt, what if Pastor Gaucher, you know, comes to you and says, well, I've been serving God for my whole life. Now, I'm going to die. You're like, do you have cancer? Nope. I'm just going to die. I'm going to decide, I'm going to let some people kill me, and I'm going to die. You'd be like, what? I mean, and I, I, mean, I don't think you'd laugh, but you almost might, because it'd be so awkward, like, what, what, what are you talking about? And then when you see that they're serious, you're like, dude, that's stupid. You don't need to die. They're like, 
You've really been making an impact. Pastor Matt, look at what element has been on this city for the last 10 years. Pastor Gosei, the entire Macomb County has been different through all the ministries that you start. Like, what are you, what are you doing? So when Peter tells Jesus, like, dude, wrong plan. Don't die. You don't need to do this. We'll save you. Like, we'll run off to some other city, and then you can preach over there. And if people mess with you, we'll go. And Jesus... Jesus remembers, though, something that happened a couple weeks ago. In fact, Matt talked about it last week. Remember when the devil pulled Jesus into the wilderness? And he tries to give Jesus the easy way out? He's like, hey, why don't you just make the rocks into some bread? Dude, you could eat. You know what I mean? Anything in like, what, 35 days? Or on the top of that tall building? He's like, why don't you just jump off and do that like Jesus swan dive? And have everybody watch. And they like, oh, we get it. Jesus is like, no, I'm not taking the easy way out. So, you know, when Peter begins to say this stuff to Jesus, it sounds really harsh that Jesus turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. Well, really, probably in Jesus' mind right now, Peter's just kind of echoing what Satan had done right before that, tempting him for the easy way out. You know, when I'm tired, when I'm hungry, when I'm stressed out, when I'm just exhausted, that's the times when I'm tempted to take the easy way out. I mean, I don't talk, uh, whatever, you know, daily life. If I'm laying on the couch, flipping channels, and it's like midnight, and I'm just exhausted, and I'm just I'm so weak, those are the times when I'm flipping the channel. I might flip to some garbage that I shouldn't be watching. When I'm just starving, and I'm trying to, like, watch what I eat, and open the fridge, and I'm, you know, I'm just tired, I'm exhausted, I'm starving. That's when I'm going to eat the junk instead of something that my body really needs. You know, whether it's my diet or whether it's making moral choices or whether it's my words, oh man, I am so bad at that. How I speak to my wife and my kids when I'm energized, when I'm refreshed, when I'm feeling good. You know, I speak in love, speak encouraging words to them, just talking life with them. But you guys know it. You're like that, people like that in your family. When you're exhausted, just had a crappy day. You know you don't speak the same. When we're feeling like that, we're tempted to take the easy way out. Jesus had an opportunity for an easy way out. But instead, he says, I'm going to stick to the plan. The plan is to die on the cross. That's why God sent me. I'm sticking with him. So, Jesus, you know, he says, alright, I'm going I'm to tell everybody about this stuff. And like I said before, he didn't just call in the, the 12 guys. He calls in everybody. I mean, this is like bleacher seats. You know, the, I mean, thousands of people have been following. He's like, hey, everybody, come on in. Come on in. You guys over there, come on, quiet. Got some important things to say. And he begins to lay out some of this message. And he says, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. That's where I got the idea of everybody, which is... Everybody. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. And whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants to lose their life for me and for the gospel will save it. I'm sure that a lot of people in the crowd at this point were first of all blown away as he starts talking about dying on a cross. But then our own human nature begins to wonder. And in fact, in the thousands of years since then, many people have wondered the same thing. So, does that mean I need to die? 
Like, should I go risk my life and like be fine with dying? Or even there's been some crazy people out there that have said, I'm going to kill myself. There's a lot of cults in the world that have asked the people that are followers of their religion, of their ideas, to kill themselves. It's happened. I mean, sometimes you hear those stories and you just shake your head and you go, what were they thinking? But Jesus just said, I'm going to die on a cross and you need to take up your cross and follow me. I'm not saying that makes sense, but I can see where someone will begin to wonder, is that what I'm supposed to do? Am I supposed to die for my faith? Now, there are rare cases when this happens. Most of you know a story of a missionary or someone in a place in the world today that's dangerous to be a follower of Christ where someone's had to give up their life directly or indirectly. They've died for the cause of Christ. Most of us are in that position. Most of us are in a place where it's somewhat safe to be a Christian. I'm not saying it's easy compared to the stories that you hear in places in other countries in the world. I'm not really putting my neck on the line every time I talk about God in America. So, I don't think it means that we're supposed to plan on dying, physical death, whether it's on a cross or whatever it is. But I do think Christ is challenging us to give up our life in a different way. When we choose to die to ourselves, when we choose to give up our ambitions, our own pleasures, our own desires, this is what Jesus is talking about when he says to take up your cross dying to yourself. When we make these daily voluntary decisions, we exchange this life, which is all about me, all about myself, we exchange that life, that life is gone, and we have a new life. A new life that's living in the freedom of who God is. A new life that's all about Him. And so when we talk about dying to yourself, this old life, gone, and this new life with God. Some of us know someone that was baptized recently in our church. We had a big group of people. Some of you watched the videos of it. And they talk about this idea of a new life with Christ. But when we make this choice, this really begins to free us up to live for God, to live without fear, to live without worry of what other people are thinking of us. You know, when I started speaking tonight, I mentioned that there were some different kinds of people in the room tonight. And again, like I said, I know I can't just like slice you into these nice little categories of like level one, level two, but I know it's not like that. But I'm also smart enough to know that some of you, even as you listen tonight, wonder, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. Or if what this guy's talking about, you're talking about, I need to like, this is like everyday type stuff. This isn't just coming home on Monday, maybe go to church on Sunday, try to pray every once in a while if I think of it. This is everyday. But I think you'd agree with me that if we follow him on this daily close walk, these are the people that have truly taken up their cross. This is where Jesus makes it clear. He says very clearly at the end of that, and in fact, sometimes when I read this part, I actually get, uh, I don't want to say scared, because I know who I am, and I know what God's done in my life, but I begin to be taking this really seriously. 
And I begin to see how big of a deal this is. And I begin to think about some of my friends' lives and some of your lives that I know maybe are not right where God wants them to be. And my heart begins to break because it says right here, uh, skip down to verse uh, 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory and the holy angels. I hope I don't oversimplify when I say it this way. If you're the student who says, well, I get the whole God thing, but I'm just a teenager. What do you expect out of me? I'm just trying to, like, pass my classes. I'm just trying to stay away from drugs. I'm just trying to, like, not get into that whole sex danger. Like, I'm just, I'm just trying to be good. What do you expect out of me? Maybe when I'm old, maybe then I'll kind of like start to take this whole God thing seriously. Maybe that's where you find yourself. Or maybe you would say, you know, I, I, I do love God, and I know that um, I've kind of known Him for a while, but I, I don't know, I'm just like, I see some kids at Element, and they're like always cool about talking about God, and they're the ones who will pray aloud when we're in a group, and they're the ones who, I can tell when we're singing, like, they're actually singing to God, but I don't know, I'm just kind of shy. Like, when I have chances to talk about God, I just, I don't know, it's just not me. It's not my personality. But to those people, the people that said, no, not me, maybe later, or the people who said, no, not me, it's just not who I am, this is a really dangerous verse, because it says again, in verse 38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when He comes in the Father's glory and the holy angels. So, if in front of your friends, if in front of your family, you're afraid to talk about who God is, or you even say that, I don't know, I, what, do I need to pray? Do I need to do all that stuff? And if you're ashamed of who God is, here, if you're afraid to talk about him here on earth, Jesus makes a pretty scary statement when he says, when I take you in front of God, I'll be afraid to talk about you. But if you've said you don't know me or you, you don't follow me for your whole life, I said, I'm going to have to say I didn't know you because you'll be right. It's kind of a scary statement to think about when you die. And the Bible is very clear. This is not... Aaron speaking, this is not Ellen's message, this is the Bible's message. I was very clear, it says when you die, you're going to be taken into account for how you lived your life. And you're going to stand before God. And I'm not here to judge you, nobody here at Ellen here is to judge you, but God will judge you. He's a fair God, He's also a just God. And if in your life you've been ashamed of Him, I'm here to tell you that He's going to say, alright then, if you didn't know me, didn't speak my name. I get it. When you die, again, the Bible is very clear that God's a fair judge, but He's also a just judge. He's a loving judge. He's going to call it how it is. And that's going to affect your eternity. It's important to, to solidify under that idea that if you're ashamed of Him now, that's going to affect your eternity. 
you know, as, as you start thinking about, okay, so I get it. I want to take up my cross. I want to make daily decisions to follow God. I want to I want to serve God on a daily basis. I want to serve other people all the time. I want to let this become something that I do. And I think this is not a new thought to some of you, to most of you. This is not like the first time you've said, okay, I'm actually going to do something about this God thing. I, I think most of you have already started to think that way in your life. And you've already started to um, try to, to do the right thing, try to do the things that you think God wants you to do. But what I'm talking about is a daily, consistent practice of taking up your cross. So let's get, let's get real practical here for a few minutes. Um, maybe, maybe some of you heard this week, uh, Pastor Amy, one of our pastors at our church, said that she was looking for some, uh, for some students from Element to come and work in the children's department. Like they just needed some help, and they wanted some uh, teenagers to come down and just love on some little kids. You know, little preschool kids are around, they just need extra people. And you could say, like, well, all right, I'll do it. And that, I mean, and that's good. Or you could say, you know what? Those little kids need to hear about Jesus. And I know when I was a little kid, there was people in my life that told me about who he was. I'm going to do that for God. I want to figure out how in the world I'm going to do it, but I'm going to talk to four-year-olds about Jesus. Because trust me, it's not easy. All right. I don't know how in the world I'm going to do it, but those 11-year-olds that are over there that probably think they're so cool, I'm going to try to break into that little circle of girls that is so tight shoulder to shoulder that it doesn't look like anybody can get in. It's not going to be easy, but God, I do this for you. When the rubber meets the road, which is kind of a dumb way of saying, like when you really get down to it, when it's time to actually do something about it, there comes these daily decisions where you have to say, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to choose the right thing. I'm not going to take the easy way out. And sometimes it's not that big of a deal. And sometimes it's actually a really huge deal. I was going to lay out these cards today uh, before you guys came in. But I was afraid that if you got them early, there's a couple volunteers to pass these things out. If you got these cards too early, That some of you guys would look at this list, and I know those of you in the back are going to, it's going to be one minute until you get one. But some of you would look at this list, and you would look at it as if, and and you would nickname it the like "be good" list, the "be nice" list. And I'll be honest with you, there is a ton of you out there that are doing some of the things on this list, and maybe you're doing it just because you're a good person. Maybe you're doing it because you need NHS hours. Maybe you're doing it because your your family is like just kind of has that heart of like helping other people and doing things. But I want you to look a little deeper than this as just a be nice list. I want you to look at this as a, as a list of possible things. It's just a list of some things I can think of off the top of my head. That you might say, you know what? Guy, I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to give of some of my time, some of my talents, some of my money, 
And I'm going to take up my cross and follow you. I'm not going to take the easy way out, which everybody in the world knows the teenager easy way out is get your homework done, go home, get on the computer, play video games, text your friends, lock yourself in your room, go to bed, get up and do it again. That's the easy way out. Because with the exception of texting, which wasn't around when I was a teenager, that's what I did for about two years of my life. At home, got on the computer, video games, watch TV, lived a selfish existence. Went to bed, got up, did it all over again. When we talk about taking up your cross, it's kind of this out there idea that if you don't put feet to it, if you don't do something about it, if you don't actually start to live it out, it becomes a pretty hollow idea. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to just kind of give you a list of things. And I know some of you are going to look at some of them and go, not me, not me, not me. I could do that. Not me, not, not me, not me, not me, not me. I think I'd like to do that. And you'll notice there's a little spot at the bottom there too where it says other. Because maybe, maybe God's going to kind of speak in your mind right now and your heart and say, I know there's someone that I need to be helping out. Or I know there's a certain class or spot of lockers at school where they are always making fun of God. Or there's a class that whenever debates happen, nobody speaks up about who God is. Maybe you just have your own little like idea. Some of those little spots are on the bottom of this other. Period element, we never wanna we never wanna just throw something out to you and not have it stick, not have it be a part of your daily walk with God. And so, you know, I don't think this is homework. I don't know, maybe, maybe you do. That's that's fine, I guess if you do. But I really want you to truly look at this list. Is there a couple on here that if you say if I do this, it's going to be hard. For some of you, there's probably things on that list that will be no-brainer. Maybe you're even already doing it. Play circle those. When Jesus says, die to yourself. When he says, die to your selfish desires. Die to your selfish ambitions. Die to yourself. And live for me. Maybe some of the things on this list could become some of the ways that you want to live for him. You know, maybe some of you heard about Jesus in a holy way tonight. Not only with these cards, but I want to give you a chance to maybe think about some of these things in a different way. And in a couple minutes, uh, if if you choose to, there might be an opportunity to have somebody pray with you. So I want you to listen to about two opportunities to maybe, if you feel like, not sure what it is, but there's something going on in your mind, or there's something going on in your heart, and you still, you can't, can't quite put your finger on it. Maybe, maybe over the next two or three minutes as I kind of explain this, maybe something's going to connect. Maybe tonight some of you heard about Jesus in a whole new way. That it's not just about that first act of salvation, but this idea of taking up your cross, 
that it needs to invade your daily life, that's a part of something you do every day, dying to yourself but living for Him. Maybe tonight you realize, you know, you've been in church before, better on element for a while, but you've never really made that decision to say, all right, God, I'll follow you. I'm ready to admit that my life's messed up. I've made some mistakes that have separated me from you. God calls that sin. Choices that you make that on purpose are against God. Maybe it's explained for your life. Maybe tonight you've never made that decision before and you are kind of feeling that. Like there's something going on in your heart right now. There's something going on in your mind and you would say that, you know, I don't think I've ever done that. And this thing that he's talking about tonight, I want that. I want to know God and I want to follow him on a daily basis. In about two or three minutes when I finish speaking, I think that the band might come up to play a song or two. Um, let me just kind of like lay this out here. This, this side over here, if tonight you're kind of feeling like, you know what, I don't, I don't think I've ever made that decision before, and I want to. I want to tell God that I want Him. I want to admit that I can't do it on my own, that I've made mistakes that separated me from Him, and I want Him to come into my life, and I want to follow Him on a daily basis. If you want to come forward in, in a few minutes and, and pray up here, I know that there's someone who would love to hear your story. We'd love to pray with you. If that's you, maybe over on my right, your left, there could be a spot for you to come up and pray. And if you want to do that in your own seat, that's fine too, but a lot of times, sometimes when we separate ourselves from physical separation from our own chair, and from my friends who are next to me and kind of go somewhere that's separate, sometimes that... Uh, Helps us to kind of really zoom in on who God's speaking to us. And maybe you'd say, yeah, you guys can come on up if you want to. Maybe you'd say, you know, I've, I've been a Christian, and as I've heard you talk tonight, and, and I heard that verse 38, when it talks about being ashamed of who God is, I think I've kind of been in that boat. And I hear people talking bad about God, and when I have chances to stick up for my faith, maybe I'm not really there. When I have chances to to do some of the things on this list, I don't know. If I'm honest with myself, number nine, get up early, which means I might have to go to bed earlier to read my Bible in the morning before school. I don't think so. Or six, speak highly or compliment someone who speaks bad at you. Yeah, right, I'm going to return the burn. Number three, resist the urge to prove myself right. But that teacher's always wrong. I have to, or all the other kids will make fun of me. Because I know I'm right. If as you looked at this list tonight, you realize that even though you call yourself a Christian, you have met God and you know who he is. Maybe tonight you just realize I don't think I've given up everything. I want to live my life for him all the time. I want to begin to do things on a daily basis that allow me to pick up my cross and follow him. 
I want to do it because when I stand in front of God, when Jesus brings me in front of God and says, how did you live your life? I want to be able to say, God, I served you and I served your people. I want to do stuff, not just that stuff, but every day I want to take up my cross. I want to follow you. Yeah, the cross equals death. Die to myself. Live for Christ. And I think probably all of you guys, as you look at that list on blue paper, there's probably some here that you're like, I think I need to do that. But again, please don't just think of this as like service hours, checklist, or what you can do.
us. I want you to know what your plan for our life is, God, that we would embrace that. And even though it's hard, God, we'd follow after you with everything we have. Die to ourselves. Take up our cross and follow you.